the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights, of course. Thank you for listening. We are having a great time as we're doing our study on the kingdom of God slash heaven. They're the same thing. We do this in our home Bible studies, and I love it. Now, I'm learning so much. You know, I made the point uh, last week that on the radio show that, you know, there's a very good chance that we could be living in the kingdom, the actual physical kingdom of God on the earth with Jesus ruling and reigning from the earth, uh, from the city of David, uh, on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And, you know, you've got the rapture of the church, and then you've got the seven-year tribulation period, and both of them are imminent. And so maybe seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen years, I mean, the kingdom of heaven on the earth could be a reality. And so we're studying, trying to find out, okay, Lord, well, what's the role of the church? What's the church going to be doing? What's going on? What's it going to look like? Who's going? It's an exciting time, a a wonderful study. So we spoke last week. We talked about it, how close it could be. And I think I left off talking about, let's see, page four. But before we enter in, there's something that's called the judgment of the nations, and i quickly approach this. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 25, the first couple of verses, 31, 32, 33, 34. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, that's talking about Jesus setting up his kingdom on the earth. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. The throne of his glory is the throne of David. Verse 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations, all the people of the nations, and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And you go down to the last verse of study, verse 44. Five, then shall he answer them, and he shall say unto them, Inasmuch as you did it to not any of these, the poor, the naked, the blind, you didn't visit those in prison. He goes, You did it not unto me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The very last thing on the agenda of Jesus before establishing his thousand-year reign on the earth is the judgment of the nations. This judgment actually will signal the end of the age of grace. 
For those who have acknowledged Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, his resurrection, that they were sinners, that they needed a Savior, he is their Messiah, they go into everlasting joy, into the kingdom of God. For those who rejected him, it's everlasting punishment. Terrible time. At this judgment of nations, Jesus sends forth his angels to remove the tares and the impostors from the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew thirteen forty one. let me read this scripture in the King James first. Matthew thirteen forty one. the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Currently, the kingdom of God here is a kingdom that lives in the hearts of people, in the hearts of man. And within that kingdom, you have the righteous, you have the saints, but you've also got the imposters. You've also got the terrorists. We are the wheat and the devil's children are the terrorists. And so the son of man, he's going to use the angels to make the separation at the judgment of nations. And the angels first shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Let me read it in the Amplified. It's really good. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, those things by which people are led into sin, and all things and all people who practice evil, leading others into sin. So there's two classes of people that the angels are going to remove. Number one, those things or people by which people are led into sin, and Those who lead others into sin, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Lord is cleansing the inhabitants of his kingdom. At the beginning of the earthly kingdom, nothing unclean shall enter into the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. The tares were left in the kingdom to grow with the wheat, lest the wheat be damaged by the removal of the tares. Remember, both tares and wheat are indistinguishable when they are young. You can't tell the difference, but the poison tares will soon be revealed as they grow. It's of paramount importance we don't try to remove them. That's a job for the angels at the end of the harvest. But we most definitely are required to identify them and warn the young. Know this, Father would never let them grow in his kingdom if he thought there was no escape for the wheat, by their poison. It's the job of the church to protect our young from such evil, though. We see it in the family model. Parents protect their children, their young, especially their newborn. So, too, must people in the body of Christ protect its most vulnerable members. So we are called to warn the saints. We are called to identify those who have been evil, who are promoting lies and deception. But we are not to remove them. Now, most definitely, we can remove ourselves from their presence. You know, if you're going to a church where the pastor is teaching you something that's um, profoundly in error, you need to pray and talk to God. And if you need to, you need to leave. You have to protect yourself. People are saying that, well, you know, church attendance is down. And yes, church attendance is down. But it's down because we are trying to preserve our faith, not because we're losing our faith. So we see this judgment of the nations. It's quite severe. The fire that waits them is an eternal punishment for their rejection of the Messiah. It's serious business. However, to those who get to enter, there's some great promises, great stuff. Revelation two twenty six, And this is, uh, I think, the church of Thyatira. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Now, I never made that connection that he's talking about the millennial kingdom there, okay? What that power looks like, we don't really know, but suffice it to say, it will be in some form of ministry service to God. 
Revelation 1, 6. And he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we see that the overcomers in Revelation, God will give them, Jesus will give them power over the nations. And in Revelation 1, 6, we see where the church has been called to be kings and priests. And actually, let me give you a better understanding of that kings and priests phrase. Actually, uh, the better reading of this would be a kingdom of priests. It's interesting to note that Israel was also called by God to be a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19.6, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So Israel, don't forget, there's, did I write that down here? There's like seven different events, seven different manifestations of the kingdom of God from the time we're first introduced to it. And, you know, for instance, I'm trying to say there's the church currently right now. Here it is. I've got it here. In the scriptures, we can trace seven distinct steps to God's revealing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Number one, the first step is paradise. That was Adam. Number two, you had the theocracy of Israel ruling the earth. Number three, the kingdom announced by the prophets. Number four was the kingdom offered and rejected in the Gospels. The fifth manifestation of the kingdom of God is where we are now. It's the kingdom that's hidden in the heart of man. The sixth manifestation of the kingdom of God will be the thousand-year reign on the earth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the seventh will be the eternal kingdom in heaven. You know, we touched on that earlier, that the kingdom of God has been revealed to man bit by bit in processes. We are required to live in the kingdom for the time in which we were born. Currently, the kingdom of God resides hidden in the hearts of man. We become distracted when we try to set up his kingdom now in the earth. We are not called to set up the kingdom of God. We can't get ahead of God. God will establish his kingdom in its perfect time. But for now, the kingdom of God resides in the hearts of man. But we don't set up the kingdom now. That doesn't happen here. All earthly efforts to establish his kingdom, and we're trying to do that. All earthly efforts to establish this kingdom without waiting for our king, who is to rule and reign on this earth when he comes, it's fruitless and will only be met with frustration and failure. Sadly, this effort reveals the carnal nature of the church, a church that refuses the spiritual aspect of our relationship with God, a church that uses faith for carnal manifestations of his presence rather than relying on faith to become more intimately acquainted with God on the spiritual level. John twelve forty seven. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, says the Lord, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Remember when Jesus was on the earth? Uh, he didn't come to judge the world. But now here we are in Matthew 25, where the judgment of the nations takes place. This is the judgment that Jesus was always talking about. But when he came to walk the earth, he no, he was offering salvation. He was offering grace. Well, unfortunately, when we get to the end of the age of grace, that judgment takes place. It's the judgment of man. John three seventeen. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. But that age is done. Grace is over. And here we are now. We are ready for the judgment of the nations. And let's see what we can learn about this judgment of the nations. The word for judge and condemn, it's actually the same. It's crino. And the better translation is condemn. This is a time of condemnation. This is a terrible time. The judgment of the nations. You you don't want to be on the wrong side of this judgment. And the saints actually are going to be invited into this judgment. 
the saints will be sitting on the throne with Jesus, the overcomer, and they've been given authority to judge the nations. And so all those people that were killed and martyred in the tribulation period, that's the ones where they're going to be sitting on the judgment seat of Christ. It's it's really a time, I don't want to say revenge, because the church doesn't really deal with revenge. God does. But that's not the spirit we've been given. We've been given a spirit of love and mercy and truth, and we leave the revenge and the final judgments to the Lord. But at the end, he wants us to do the judging, which is why it's important that the church learns how to judge today, not condemn, but that we learn how to judge today because there's going to be a time when God's going to set us in positions of judgment during that millennial reign of Christ, and we're going to have to know what we're doing. You know, because the church has left off judgment today, we don't have any discernment. We don't understand things. We can't even discern the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, light and darkness. Revelation 1-6 again, and has made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests unto God. Exodus 19-6, the Jews were made kings and priests also. You know, you had the kings, David, and you had the priests, the, the prophets, and those ministries weren't joined together. You were either a king or you were either in the spiritual ministry and service to God. Not so. In the new millennial reign of Jesus Christ, we're going to be doing both. We are going to be in priestly service, and we're also going to be in kingly service, doing judgment, ruling and reigning with Christ on his throne. First Peter 2, nine. but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So you had the Jews before Christ. They were called to be priests to the people in the earth. Then you've got the church after Christ. We are called to be a royal priesthood. Here the task has been extended to include the Gentile church as well as the Jew. However, with the Jews' rejection of their Messiah, the church has been assigned this task alone. And that's where we are now. We are called to be priests. We are introducing people to the kingdom of God. Some have noted that in the first Peter, Peter's writing to the Jews, and it's rightly understood as being a reminder to his readers of the original intent of the Jews to be priests. Yet in the book of Peter, the concept is unmistakably broadened to include all those who trust in Christ, whether they be Jew or Gentile, from among every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Our priesthood is made possible by our great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Hebrews 4.14. Therefore, we have complete and full access to the Father. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need as we go about our ministry, our priestly ministry. So whether we are to be kings and priests or just a kingdom of priests, it is clear that believers will co-rule with Christ during his earthly reign. In salvation, believers have not only been lifted back to the pre-sin status of Adam, but now at the judgment of nations here, the believer has been exalted to a position above Adam and above the angels. A quick note about the ministry of the believer here uh, during the judgment of nations, and we'll, we'll get into the kingdom eventually, but we're still defining the things that allow us to enter in and the things that keep people from entering in. Don't forget, though, remember our first and foremost area of ministry, both now and in the future, is always in ministry to God. Our main function in the earth is that of being priests. This is where we are to minister to God. 
And here we run into an extremely important distinction, which has not been adequately taught to us by our teachers, the people who lead God's people. Our primary responsibility is to minister to God and not man. Our focus is to be Godward rather than manward. We are to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. As we take care to minister to God, he will then minister to men through us. God has chosen to use men as the mediators of his rule during the different periods of history. I talked about that. The progression of the kingdom of God is revealed in different stages. Remember, the first stage, paradise. The second stage, theocracy of Israel. Then the prophets, they announced the kingdom. The kingdom was offered and it was rejected in the gospels. The kingdom now with us today, it's hidden in our hearts. Then you have the actual five central manifestation of that kingdom during the earthly reign of Christ for the thousand year period. And at the completion of that, the actual fulfillment of the kingdom, the eternal kingdom in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Actually, the word there for judge is crino. Remember, we're going to be judging, but we're going to be judging this time to condemn, just like Jesus. He did not come to condemn, and neither do we at this time. When we judge, we are judging to correct, and that's where the church misses it. Remember, Jesus said, judge not. Actually, that word crino, it means don't be condemning people. Yes, I want you to judge, but I don't want you to judge for condemnation. I want you to judge for correction. So part of Jesus setting up his kingdom, the final thing that he does before he establishes that kingdom will be the judgment of the nations. It will include the church sitting in his throne, helping out with the judgment of nations. The sheep are the righteous Gentiles who show their faith by their good works towards God's people. They go on the right hand, they enter into the kingdom, while the goats are the unrighteous Gentiles who fail to aid God's children during the tribulation period and before then. Christ will cast the unrighteous into the lake of fire for eternal punishment. That is really tough stuff, man. And I hate the fact that we're actually going to be having a part in that. That's not my nature. But if it's something that God tells us to do and we will do it, we will do it as unto the Lord and we will do it with excellence. Don't forget, we have been praying for this day ever since the inception of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What kingdom come? That kingdom come, the kingdom where he sets up his earthly reign. And once again, that kingdom is the kingdom that does the final judgment before grace ends at it. And it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We judge the same way God's going to be judging. The earth is in a state of near total destruction right now, as witnessed by Psalm 2.8. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. This is so obvious that we're heading into this final uh, judgment of the nations here. The nations aren't going to go much further the way they are. Remember, Jesus, there are several billion dead bodies that must be disposed of at the end of the tribulation period. You got that church age. The church gets removed. Then you have the seven-year tribulation period. Billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of people are killed. At the end of that, right before the entrance into the millennial reign, you have the final judgment of nations. And so the earth is littered with dead bodies. Jesus invites, God invites the fowls of the air to come and eat of their flesh at the great feast of the judgment of those who rejected God. It's, it's a wild time. The burying of their bodies goes on for seven years. It's an amazing change in the earth that we think is so beautiful right now, even in its fallen state. It will go from being littered with dead bodies into a place of beauty where 
where death will be the exception rather than the rule. So we've got the final judgment there. The church contributes to that. And then we're going to see, all right, finally, who goes in? Isaiah 35, verses 8 through 10. A highway shall be there, where? In millennial reign, in Jerusalem, in Israel. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools, they shall not err therein when you're on that highway. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up upon the highway. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. Hallelujah. That's who this road is made. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So who goes into the millennial kingdom? The redeemed. The redeemed shall walk there. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. I want to show you who the redeemed are. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So I think we touched on this last week that we break this down. You've got the old time Jewish saints and they're in heaven at the time of this and they come back with the Lord Jesus Christ at the battle of Armageddon. He comes back with the... Well, the redeemed of the earth, and he comes back to wage war against evil mankind. He defeats them, and it's up to us. We've got the Jewish saints. We've got the church saints. We've got the tribulation saints, all in uh, glorified earthly bodies. Here we are, and we are getting ready to move in, but the final judgment before we move in. And those who are not moving in, they are judged and they are sent down to hell. Actually, they pass by hell and they go straight to the lake of fire. It's a very interesting time. It's a very great and terrible day of the Lord, it's called. It's great for us, but it's terrible for those who have rejected our Messiah. Since Jesus came to the earth 2,000 years ago and placed the kingdom of God within those who believe... There has been a war going on between both good and evil, the kingdom of this world and the kingdoms of Jesus. One is a spiritual kingdom where lives are manifest in the hearts of men. The presence of God is manifested in the hearts of men. The other is carnal, purely five-sense realm and operates in the natural realm. Because we have given up our lives, because we have chosen to sacrifice our so-called earthly freedoms in service to God, that has ensured that we are going into the kingdom. We are the redeemed. If you are redeemed, you are going into the kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ. Next, when we come back, we're going to talk about our role as judging the people in the earth. Remember, there are still people alive at the end of the tribulation period, and God has to do something with them. Well, they're the people that are being judged. And so the righteous will be joining us, and they will be living in that millennial reign on the earth in their unglorified earthly bodies. So they'll be living in the millennial reign of Christ in their unglorified earthly bodies. And we, with the old-time Jewish saints, the church, and the redeemed, will have our glorified earthly body. And it's going to be a time of, I'll just cut to the chase, basically, my understanding is we're going to be shepherds there. Yes, we're going to be living and reigning and ruling, but really we're going to be shepherds. We're going to be training people that are born. We are going to be ministering the knowledge of the Lord. The Bible says the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. That's going to be exciting. Could you imagine if everybody on this earth knew about God today, knew about Jesus, knew about his goodness? 
The only difference is there's going to be no grace there. And it's going to be a different scenario totally. I'm going to begin my study on it next week. I can't wait to share with you what I find. But let me pray with you guys. You guys are special. You're sitting here. You're drinking in the truths of God. You love God. The thing that we have in common that binds us together is our love of the truth. Father, I pray that you protect truth in their lives, Father. I pray for their souls, Father God, that you protect them from the apostasy. I pray that you cause them to guard their souls, Father God. Guard their hearts, for out of it are the issues of life, Father God. Keep them from the evil one, Father God. Don't let them be deceived. Don't let them be robbed of their salvation, Father God. Protect them. Give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways, Father God. Place in them a supernatural hunger, a desire for the sincere milk of the word that they would grow thereby. Lord, we love them, we watch over them, we pray for them, we protect them by the Word of God. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.